the climbing stick has finally gone metal-free. Our goal for the Carbon SS climbing sticks was to make them as light as possible without sacrificing durability. And we wanted to make them stack flush so they're compact for saddle hunters and tree stand hunters. The new aerospace carbon fiber technology allowed us to achieve ultralight weight specs and removed all moving parts and hardware for improved durability. The sticks also feature our patent-pending metal-free attachment method that makes setup easier, faster, and quieter. The Carbon SS climbing sticks are made right here in the USA and come with a five-year manufacturer's warranty. For more information, visit LatitudeOutdoors.com. The Mobile Hunter is obsessed with exploring unfamiliar places, and this is what our gear is designed to do. At Latitude Outdoors, we build mobile hunting equipment for hunters who like to move often and move fast. Whether you're an experienced whitetail hunter or new to the game, if you want to be mobile, we have options that are worth considering. Our saddles, climbing sticks, and platforms are made right here in the USA and are available at LatitudeOutdoors.com. Thanks for checking out the gear and good luck this season. Welcome to Barebow Hunter Podcast with your host, Nate Bailey, where we look to the ancient paths of our hunting ancestors to guide our future, where woodsmanship and hard work outweigh advanced shooting devices, where we value those who have gone before us and welcome those who are yet to come. Join us as we exchange valuable insight about the Barebow Hunter's lifestyle. Welcome to another edition of the Life Outdoors podcast, and I may probably put this in the Barebow Hunter podcast as well. Uh, today, we have with us a really good friend of mine, um, probably one of the guys that I think knows one of the, probably the most about elk in Oregon, and that's Trent Fisher. I knew you're gonna you're gonna laugh when I said that. Oh uh, no, I'll take it, but I don't know if it's true. It's well, not, uh, I've well, screwed up more elk than anybody else in the state of Oregon. I can promise you that. Well, you know, there's those guys out there that that do know a ton of elk, a ton about elk. Some of them we we never have heard on a podcast or anything else, but. Uh, you know, we got guys actually around me up here oh, yeah. that are yeah. just, I mean, you know, they've got some elk every year. They're in the Cascades and killing elk. And, um, That's I would put team. you in that group. <laughs> I, I, I appreciate that. We, uh, just the other day, actually, we, we've been doing these, uh, elk week videos. So we've been doing this, uh, we started this thing this year called elk week and it's, it's kind of a hype to get ready for season. And, um, Anyway, going through calls and uh, and all sorts of different stuff and shop placement and everything. And the biggest response that we got from that was interesting was, um, was well, you talked a lot, but what about the solo hunter? What about the solo hunter? Everybody. I mean, that was the biggest uh, question and response huh. to the whole thing, which was really cool. And um, it's something that uh, when we were making it, we didn't think about. And then afterwards in post we're like well shoot man i mean when we started out all we had was a cameraman usually with us because we'd split up into groups you know and so it would be it would be like me and trevor filming me and so it was just like well we were actually kind of solo hunters you know minus the camera guy but and we didn't i don't think acknowledge that part of it and so we're doing a video right now and it's just going back into things that a solo hunter you know, needs to know or should know or some things that may or may not help him out. And uh, so anyway, kind of cool 
but it kind of leads into what you're talking about as far as just like hunting and 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 success you know and then a lot of people do it by themselves so man i'll tell you what that whole series and i watched all of it because for nothing else than to watch all the elk footage you know and (laughs) and and get jacked up over it but at the same time there was so much information passed on there and if people don't understand the amount of experience that was being uh fed out of those videos (laughs) it was they should yeah it was it was pretty neat the response that we got from it was huge it was really really neat we didn't have a clue how it would go and um and the cool thing that we're doing to all the listeners out there um is you know the we we ended off and i don't know if we did a great job at really uh publicizing this but we ended off at hey we want to see your hunts we want to see other people's hunts and we're going to put them on our channel this next year so and submit all your hunts and then we want to show other people so we can get hopefully them started into filming their own hunts or whatever they want to do with it as far as that goes so anyway that was that was the ending thing and i like i said i don't know if we really did a great job at at uh showing that or telling that story but we'll be uh we'll be definitely promoting that down the road and uh to inspire other people to kind of get out and do what we've done what what you've done nate i mean same kind same kind of thing it's it's not easy it's not an easy deal no you'll learn a lot more though i i think i think by filming you're going to learn so much more about your elk hunting and the stuff mainly looking at the stuff you do wrong all the time (laughs) i would totally agree with you totally agree with you because you can look back at it and then it's you can you can watch it over and over and over and over right right well yeah that hurts sometimes but it does yeah it does you know the bull I got in 2020. I wasn't able to hunt last year because I was in Mississippi. But right, the bull I got in 2020. That one, I still don't have the antlers hung up on the wall because it hurts. That you know I hit that bull really bad, and uh, mm-hmm. so when I edited that footage, it was all I could do to edit it. I, I mean, it really was. And there's so much more footage of that bull um, that I didn't put in anything because it, it was that hard for me to watch because I hit him yeah. so bad you know and that's what makes us i think that's what makes us human and that's what makes us you know i think i think that's the that's the other spectrum of hunting right everybody thinks we're just savages and we just don't care we're out bloodthirsty to kill something and everything we care for these animals more than anybody on this planet cares for these animals (laughs) and so it's just like man it hurts us yeah so bad so bad when something wrong goes wrong yeah you know and one of the big things about video too and and you guys just put out a video if you guys have not seen that video of you showing people how to video their hunts that was probably one of the most informative that i've seen coming from cameramen too yeah that's what we wanted to do is have the camera guys and have them they're great and um anyway and from their perspective because our our perspective you know might be a little different so right I, I thought that was really good, and I thought it turned out well. Too. I thought it turned out really well. There was yeah. some stuff that I picked up. Matter of fact, I sent it to uh, the guys that are hunting with us this year, and I said, hey, pick up some oh, of these cool. tips. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. there's, there's some definite things, and they're like the shot type stuff, and over the shoulder and standing off to the left. That's stuff I've never even thought about. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, and it's stuff that it has to be second nature, or else it could go real, real wrong. Yes. You know what I mean? Yep so yeah definitely definitely and we're uh we're i'm actually this time next week i'll be over in in a place in ochco 
uh, hunting mm. antelope. And oh yeah, and I, I'm going to be by myself, so I'm going to try to video everything. And the biggest reason really is not to try to gain anything on YouTube or anything like that. Although, you know, I like getting the views and stuff, but um, this is a 13 year tag and, and it's in a place where my grandfather started hunting in the forties and, and we have, we actually have a rock blind over there that that's the rule that every time that every time that uh, uh, we pass back by it, we have to put another rock on it. That's cool. Yeah. So I want to, video it for my grandkids basically and Mm -hmm. and, um so that's you know talking about videos that was one of the things that uh uh you guys kind of got me stoked on is all the different video angles you know how you guys have the shots and then you run the gopros and then i start looking at your footage and i'm like they do do a lot of that you know and Mm -hmm. it just flows together you don't even think that there's more than one camera there yeah, no, it's, it's all in editing and how it comes out in post. But at the same time, if you don't use those shots, you can't pick from them. You know what I mean? Right, right. So let's shift a little bit of gears here. And I, I'm going to see what you guys are up to this elk season. Do you guys uh, have plans put out or what you got going on? No, I don't. I don't really post plans, but I will tell you anything. You know that. So. Well, you know this. This will go out to the three guys that listen to this. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. There's a lot more than that. Um, so, you know, we are we drew some tags this year Good. again, and um, we've got some tags in the pocket that they're not. I mean, I wouldn't say they're the best of the best of the best of the state, but we will be hunting over in Eastern Oregon for uh, a couple different tags this year again. Um, so that, that'll be fun to kind of, that's been kind of a fun deal to actually go over East and, and it's different, you know, um, than the, than the Roosevelt game. That being said, the Roosevelt game is, you know, kind of what we cut our teeth on and it's what a lot of people really, really like to see. They like to see that West side, you know, coastal, uh, rainforest, hard, you know, thick right. kind of stuff, which, which I totally, you know, I like to do it too. Don't get me wrong. I really, really like to hunt Roosevelt's, but it is cool to step out, you know, of something that you've done all your life and kind of try something new as well. So, um, yeah, so we will, we haven't decided yet either first week we're going to go over. It all kind of depends on fire danger from what from I've been hearing. I've been trying to keep updated on it. And, um, right now, I guess it's, it's pretty dry over east is what I've been hearing. So, I, I don't know. Maybe you can touch on that more too, Nate. If you know anything, you're kind of coastal-ish too. I mean, yeah, cas- cascades. But you yeah. know what I mean. I, I I don't know. It's just I've heard there's uh, fire in the the gorge right now, right by the gorge um, up uh, up towards Portland there, east of Portland. So I, I don't know. I, I have no idea what's going to kind of transpire yet. And now I've heard. <laughs> closures coming up and stuff like that so we'll just have to play it by ear a little bit and see what happens there so but but no and then on the coast here it's actually been pretty damp and that's still i think a level one where i'm at right now which is crazy for right now especially with like the years past have been so dry and just burning i mean right now well shoot where you live was on fire bad last year you know yeah so yeah, we've been following. I have an app on my phone, actually. I've been watching. We had a thunderstorm on the 3rd. Yep. That was yep. absolutely crazy. It, it looked like it looked like uh, Mississippi, the way that the thunder and lightning happens there. And and 
all of matter of fact i have uh, on one of our, our our number one spot that we i have cameras in there and we got elk on it and there's fires surrounding it <laughs> so no kidding yeah no kidding. yeah and then our number two spots got fires in it too and oh. so yeah we're really gonna have to practice what we preach about you know looking on your on your uh getting your priorities set because i yeah. things are changing on us now so um yeah, yeah it's we're at high up here um the the cool thing about the the lightning is we had like monsoonal rains with it so nice yeah, so it put out a lot of those fires, and a lot of the fires that um, I'm tracking are less than an acre. So oh, okay. I, I don't think they're going to go anywhere. Um, I think they got them handled. And, yeah, that's nice. Yeah, and then uh, so, you know, I'm going over at Central Oregon. That that unit usually is really good um, just because of their active forest management over there. They They'll usually be... Uh, like one setting back behind the rest of the state and um and, and because of the way that the forest is it's just not as dangerous they have their fires but they don't they don't you know they don't have those big crown fires in there yeah um, is that because of the topography well no there's some pretty rough, rugged stuff over there. yeah no it's it's basically because of for one the fires are really easy to work on um because you know you have the deep canyons and then flats on top so it'll okay. burn. It'll okay. burn in the canyon. Burn up the canyon, and they can stop it at the top. Another thing is the big, uh, you know, pine forests that they have are all uh, really clean. I mean, there's like no brush in it. You could walk, walking 15 miles in a day over there is not hard at all. Okay, interesting, interesting. Yeah. So, yeah. I think that's. I think that's got a lot to do with it. Um, and it's higher. You know, shoot, we're hunting. Well, I guess it's not higher than places I hunt around here, but um, it holds snow longer. Let's put it that way. Gotcha, gotcha. And then it gets cooler at night, probably too, because of the elevation. I'm assuming. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, and yeah. the water. It it was real dry last year. This year, it looks a whole lot better over there. Um, gotcha. Of course, we aren't going to be elk hunting anywhere other than the cascades this year <laughs> so no, that's, um, <laughs> oh that's tough that's a tough one brother yeah, that's uh, tough one. you know we've got used to it and we love it um it is tough though it's a lot of work i've it been is. i've been running for since june uh just to get ready for it you know some of our early videos we did um in the cascades you know and hunting over there it was i think you're right as far as once you get kind of used to it and kind of yeah, I kind of feel it out the terrain and what's what's going on there. I, I do. I would agree with you. It is kind of that way, but uh, man, I just it just seemed like the Cascades have been just beaten to death these last probably fifteen years. I would say, and it's just like I think there used to be a lot more game in there than there is now. Yeah, I, well, I think it's definitely changed. Um, yeah. You know, with the fires that have happened, uh, we have we have fires in the north part of the section that I hunt and those fires have changed the game for most people. I, I have a friend that used to guide all that and they don't even, they don't even run a camp in there anymore. Really? Okay. Yeah. No, I just, the, the more I've heard of guys and everything and hunting over there, they just said, man, they're all their elk herds are just drying up. He said, there's used to be a lot of elk and he said, you can hardly find one anymore from what, you know, just different people I've talked to. Yeah. Yeah. I think they're moving. I think they're moving to different spots. Um, yeah. Is, is yeah. a lot of it too. But yeah, we, 
we I love the Cascades, and the reason I do is because there's so much habitat, and it is so wild in some of the wilderness areas that uh, if you're willing to put in the miles, usually you'll find them. So <laughs> yeah, yep. No, that's a fact. It's from just being having that willingness to go to go right. Yeah, and and making a plan. You know, that's the thing that I think probably kill turned us into getting into elk a lot more is is coming up with a good idea of how we're going to go and and knowing where the elk like and if they're not in there get the living tar out of there and go somewhere else yeah yeah exactly stay mobile that's a great oh man yep that's huge people i hear it all the time it's just hey um you know i hunted the same place for 20 days this year and i saw i saw one herd elk i'm thinking (laughs) Why did you do that to yourself? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> this year we feel a little bit behind the schedule, too, and we got 10 different spots, you know? and Oh, you do? You yeah. that many? Oh, yeah, I have to. You got to put that many in front of you so you can, you know, have an idea of what to do when you do go into a place and there's nothing there. That's awesome. No, that's good for you. That's awesome. Yeah, at least have three people. At least have two to three spots and then... But 10, that's that's even better, even better. But, yeah, yeah, and, and they're quick checks. I mean, you go in and check, and if there's no elk there, then you just don't even, you just mark it off. <laughs> correct. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. No, no, that's awesome. Yeah, so uh, to answer your question, I guess we will be over in eastern Oregon probably at least half the season, and then, if not more, and then um, on the coast as well, like that, maybe that first and that last week or something of that nature. So right. that's kind of our game plan for right now and just kind of uh, monitoring what happens with the weather and, and all that too. So, yeah, I, I'm, I'm excited for this season. I actually have a bow tag this yeah. year. So. I'm yeah. excited for that. I, I, I can't wait to see how that – It's been a, it's been a while. It's been a while, buddy. It's been a, I think it's been three plus years, maybe four. I took a, yeah, I took a year off and then I right. rifle hunted after that for two or three. Yeah. I think it's been three or four, three or four years. Although so, that rifle hunt last year was pretty bad. That was pretty it cool. Was pretty fun. Yeah, yeah, man. It was, I can't, it's hard to replace those memories. That's for sure. Yeah. yeah. It's, um, it's been great though. Uh, getting the bow back and, and anyway, not, you know, kind of relearning it all over again. <laughs> and I mean, I did it for a long time. Don't get right. me wrong. But no, no, I know what you're saying. Yeah. It's the same time. It's like, okay, yeah, this is, you know, this is fun again. And, and, um, so it, it's been a blast actually out shooting. I've been shooting almost every day for the last quite a while and, and, um, getting a little more proficient at that and better. And then, you know, start it off and we'll, we'll see, we'll see what happens. Oh, yeah. I know what's going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to screw up. I'm gonna screw up a bunch more elk. It's nah, gonna happen nah. at some point. At some point, but yeah, we will see. But um, no, I'm excited for this season. I think it's gonna be a lot of fun, and and just with the tags that we have too. I think uh, afterwards, I think there should be some really, really good, good footage of a lot of good bugling. Uh, yeah, just a lot of good, good action is what I'm hoping with the places that we're headed. Yeah, so. it's cool. It's cool too that you got Oregon. You know, I, yeah. Oh man. It's so awesome. Or I, I'm, I, that's what I'm jacked again. Last year we stayed in Oregon the whole year, and it looks like we're going to this year. Although we are that dumb, as far <laughs> as there is times that we'll go. Let's try to Colorado, and we'll drive all night. Yeah, go to Colorado for five days for some stupid reason or something, and get over the counter tags. But it's um, 
it's uh, so far our plans are just to stay right here in Oregon and, and uh, be able to hunt our own state and save on fuel money. How about that? Yeah. Yeah. I hear you. <laughs> I hear you. Oh man. Yeah. It's spendy. Everything's yeah. spendy. You, you know, that's one of the good things about where we're hunting this year is it's pretty much all Suzuki uh, reachable. <laughs> Oh, is that, yeah, you can so, use the little rig. The little rig, yeah. So, yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. No, but, um, yeah. So, the other big thing is our calls, man. Yeah, that's, I was uh, wanting to talk. That's actually what I was trying to get you on here for, was talking about the calls. Yeah. No, we, uh, we've taken on an adventure and, and, and started a call company and about two years ago, and it's just starting to blossom now uh, as far as manufacturing and getting all those ducks in a row. And, um, man, it's it's been – we've been super blessed with the people that have that have backed us and been behind us and, and are starting to uh, use the calls a lot. And um, But we've put a ton of time into it, man, trying to make the best calls on the market. And um, that's our big thing. If we can't make something better, there's no sense in making it, right, is, is my opinion. Uh, yeah, I hear so. you. And and they are. They're really good calls. You know, this last series that you put up. Now, the yellow, what's yellow? Is it the reed? That's the committed reed. Committed. That's yep. Good. yep, yep. Now, the yellow reed, I was really impressed. I was impressed with all of them. I, I've used the black and the blue and, and the yellow for quite a few years. But um, one of the things that we, we, we really like, Gage and I both are pretty hard on calls. And... Mm-hmm. Um, having some of the newer, thicker ones too, has been really nice. We really, uh, okay, cool, cool. Like that OTC is. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You like, you, you can blow a call really, really well. I, I have to have like a thinner latex. I got to have a, a less stretch cause I have a, my palate's kind of weird, but you can, it's, it's so different. That's it the is. whole thing. It man. is. It's so different for everybody. And it's, it's so hard because everybody, you know, I get the email all the time. It's like, well, so what's the best call for me? You know, <laughs> and it's like, man, that is such a broad question. I can't tell you. I have no idea, you know, and uh, it's just I always tell them just start out with something pretty light, you know, pretty small and then and then go from there. You know, so, uh, man, it's just yeah, it's awesome that you're blowing those 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 tougher calls, too. I mean, you you but you you've done it for a long time. You're, you're pretty burst at it and good at it so. i think i'm pretty bad at it that's why i need thicker calls <laughs> <laughs> i don't think that's the way it works i don't think that's the way it works i've researched it <laughs> i i started calling i started calling elk with the old um larry jones predator or what was that persuader i think yeah. it was do you remember yeah. that with the metal with the oh, metal yeah. reed yeah and, so, sound like a duck call on steroids right and it gave you a headache every time you blew it Yep. Yeah, yep. that yep. one. So, so starting there and then switching over to reeds, you, you know where I come from now. Oh, you man. had to blow your guts out to get any kind of sound out of that thing. <laughs> oh, those were so. Yeah, we had one of those one time way back in the day. Quick story, and you know, and Cody and all the guys they can call pretty darn good. And anyway, and Ty brought the old duck call, the old <laughs> dominator. Cody bugles and bugles and bugles, and Ty grabs that thing and just blows the just the most god awful weirdest sound. <laughs> Bull just cracks right out. <laughs> I love those oh, stories though. That's so awesome. Uh, yeah. We it, this was like in the late '80s. We had one of those. My dad actually was hunting with my mom and and her mom, so my grandmother. 
Okay. And there's this little patch of timber that's out in the middle of this. And back in those days, you know, not too many people were bow hunting, more or less elk hunting. And yeah. uh, they were out in the middle of this timber patch, and Dad blew that thing, and a bull comes up out of the – and comes over to that timber patch, and my mom and grandma – we're trying to climb the trees so quick because they're afraid that bull is going to come get them. No kidding. Yeah, and they scared it off, and he was upset. That was the first bull he ever called in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, it's those old stories. I mean, it's just awesome to, to hear them. And, and, but it does go to show, you know, I mean, uh, we try to make the most realistic sounding out calls and everything, but sometimes, you know, that's not always what it takes. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, you know, and and quite honestly, um, it it is though to have an elk call like a dia- uh, like a reed or diaphragm, whatever you want to call them, to have sure. one that um, um, is easier to bl- and you guys is there's a lot of years put into your calls. <laughs> I mean, you've been doing this for a while. Yeah. So- Oh no, we've been we took apart every call that we could find. We bought every single one and we tried to make it better, you know. Yeah. Yeah, and I and I like the new the new series, I was just blown away at some of the new stuff. And not that the old stuff wasn't something that I was using a lot either, but like I said, you know, we are Gage and I are just really hard on calls. We're not easy on calls. And Right. Um and I think that's because we're just not finesse type people. We're kinda like get through it. And blow That's hard and perfect. perfect yeah and yeah but uh i was gonna i was gonna kind of go from because you have let me see what seven calls now seven reads yeah correct and yeah. and with the seven um what would you say is probably the thickest you know takes the most wind to blow out of all the seven I'd say that OTC or the land of the free call, both of those are pretty, uh, pretty thick latex and people listening. What makes a read, uh, diaphragm read like Nate's talking about is just the differences in them are the thickness of the latex that you use. And sometimes it's not even latex, like our reason call, it's a prophylactic, right? Thinner than latex. So, um, but it's the thickness of the latex or whatever, uh, whatever you're using for your read and then it's the stretch and so how much that is stretched uh from frame to frame from the sides of the frame so what i'm saying is you know sometimes a thinner latex with a less stretch you're gonna have to to use less air to make a noise out of but like nate's saying sometimes you can do what they call blowing through the call too to where you're putting so much pressure to hit the notes that you want you're actually blowing through the call, so it'll actually distort, and it may not even sound like anything. So, yeah, and it, and it comes down to palate is what it right. comes down to. Is everybody's palate on the top of their roof of their mouth is different? And what we've noticed is, I mean, we've done everything because my brother's a dentist, and so we've used up hundreds and hundreds, maybe thousands of dollars of Trevor's, which he's all right, <laughs> he's good for at this point. Um, making molds of each other's all of our mouths and looking at the differences in those molds and kind of looking at, okay, what, what, what can be like a, like a very versatile, you know, all the way around call or something of that nature. What, what could work for that? You know? And so it's like, 
it's been really interesting trying to figure out how everybody can like make a call for just anybody to blow. And what we've come up with is it's not, it's, it's not a thing. It, you cannot make right. like right. a one diaphragm read suits everybody. It just doesn't. And everybody says, well, why is there more than one? And it's like, well, it's just so many different mouth palate types. And I tell people, Hey, if you want to cut the read, go ahead, cut, you know, you can cut the, tape on it right. to fit whatever you know i've tried just about every cut known to man and i can't find any that really like is a real foolproof way to do it i i, I can't really myself right but i i you know it's, it's everyone is different and so and that's why that's that's what goes into a diaphragm call is the latex the thickness the stretch and then the back pressure on the stretch too and there's two different stretches that you put on that so yeah but that's what we're kind of talking about yeah you know that's something that um, you know, we change calls once we get, say we have a bull starting cause some of the calls for us will grunt better. Some of them will throw that locator out there better and then we'll yep. just swap them when we get closer. And then if we're going to do some cow calling, so, you know, talking about different calls, I mean, we have every one of you guys' calls because right. they all have a purpose in what we do. Um, and then of course gauge blows a call different than I do. So those are, and then Chase will be with us this year, my youngest, and yep. hopefully my oldest will be too, if the army lets him. But all those differences, right? Yeah. And and so that's that's one of the things that we do as well. And you know, same with your with the um, open recalls that you guys have the the regular you know just cow calls. Um, that was something that that you the two tone, I believe it is. That, yeah. So that, that's a it's been a, that was a long time in the making. And yes, go ahead on your question. But yeah, so I used to use a different call that was kind of on the same idea where you, you could pull the back end of it off. They don't mm -hmm. even make them anymore. But you could pull the back end off and you could throw that in your tube and then you could make a cow call bugle is what we called it. Because sometimes mm -hmm. bulls just don't like that September 3rd to the 6th kind of area. The bulls just kind of respond to those cow calls. Yep. And, and so we could locate balls with with a cow call and then and then put the end on it muffle it up or it's the opposite kind of with the two-tone but the other call you'd put the end on and that would muffle it but um yeah that just those and then giving that to like chase my my youngest son who doesn't do much with the diaphragm calls and he could add to that that whole dynamic of an elk herd. oh 100 percent. and there's so many different tones that you can make it's uh, with the, we have a sound bite, it's called a two tone. And, um, anyway, yeah. And the cool thing about these is we built them off of a duck reed. So there's no other call. If you look at all the calls on the market, they all have holes in them, but they don't necessarily, the sound doesn't come through the hole. It comes off the tone board. Oh, and yeah. all these, all these calls, it comes through the hole. So you can project it any way, any distance and everything. If you look at a lot of the other calls on the market, and they all they're all blocked off it's just all the sound is coming off right on the tone board itself and so it doesn't get that projection actually to uh to to, to like reach further like a real elk's mouth would you know right right and if you watch a cow when she's when she's actually making those calls she will she'll she'll move her mouth to project that depending yep. on what she's doing you know yes yes I, yes I, I actually 
uh, it was opening day like four years ago. I actually got in trouble with the lead cow. She came back through the herd and and yelled at me to get away from her, and that was using um, the prototype of, of okay. the two tone. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, it's it's an awesome awesome call, and I think too like, and I probably you would agree. It's like watching the cows, the way that they talk and the way that they they interact with each other is almost. You know, a bull bugle is a bull bugle. You know, right. he does his thing and he walks. But the cows, man, there is so much to that. I think that that just learning that's that side of the whole herd dynamic is is really important. Yeah, really important. I did not know what I said to her, yeah. <laughs> but she was not having it. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing how you do one cow call and the whole herd will just blow up, gone. Yeah, and you'll be like, "What in the world did I just do wrong?" You know. Yeah, she was up at the head, and she walked all the way back through the herd and came probably within 50 yards of me and then just let me have it. And and doing yeah. a lot of things I've never heard a cow do before. Yeah, yeah. No, they have a whole different language, I think, that's just pretty dynamic, and it's 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 amazing. They And if you think about it, they rule the herd. They do. The cow, yep. yes. The, cow, the lead cow depends on where that whole herd is going, where that bull's going to go. You know all that kind of stuff. So you really got to key in on that. Don't just don't just hunt for bulls. You know. Yeah. That time of year. I have a a lot of people that have come up to me, um, and and this time of year you get people that start talking. Well, you guys know, and and guys are like, yeah, you know, just where I hunt, they don't the bulls don't respond to calls. <laughs> and I'm like, what do you mean? Yeah. Well, you yeah. know, you call them in the morning and the, and they just run from you. And I'm like, yeah. no, they're not running from you. They're following that lead cow. Yep. Just keep on them. Just keep calling. Yep. Keep behind them. Eventually, they'll stop. When they stop, that's when you do something with them. Because on TV, you know, they count, they call, they beagle twice, and they come running in. They shoot them. Right? <laughs> I mean, it's, not, it's not the way it's supposed to work. Oh man. Oh. You know, and and that's another thing too is the Cascades are really bad for it. Um, some of the other places I hunt aren't. But the Cascades, they will be in a certain spot in the morning, and they will be in a certain spot in the afternoons. Mm. And the mornings, I, I see guys doing it all the time. Guys will hang out. So they go down and, and hang out around the water all night and all morning and beat the living tar out of it, rub it. And and there's just so much sign, a bunch of fresh poop from that morning. And the guys will just stay down there and hunt that stuff. Mm, thinking that yeah. they're just bedding down anywhere around the corner whereas you know they move five miles up the hill and yeah especially those out yeah yeah and that's that's exactly right and so um that's why a lot of people don't think that elk call in like the cascades i hear it all the time you know bulls don't bugle in the cascades there's too many <laughs> wolves that's i hear that all the time too oh yeah oh yeah that's another big one that's another big one but we went to colorado one year and going through and you go, there's a bunch of camps around and everything. And we got there the day with the evening before. So we're like, well, let's just get a good night's sleep. Well, I can tomorrow morning, you know, and anyway. So that some of the camps recognized our trucks or something and came up to us, and, man, you guys, uh, you're just, you're do you're too early. You're too early. You know <laughs> and what, yep. what, what's, yeah. What's going on? Well, they're just not talking. They're just not talking about four or five different people said that to us and, we went in there, and in three days we shot two bulls. Yeah, called in, called yeah. in like six. Yeah, and all it was is we were bugling at it. You know, yeah. we were we were trying. It's. I think a lot of people think that the bulls should just bugle on their own all yeah. the time, and so that's when you think you know that's when you can tell when the rut is. But yeah. that's just it's not the case. It's not. 
you know, sometimes you have to get them to do it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, and the only way you do that is by walking through the woods and bugling. Correct. <laughs> it, Correct. It, yeah. It sucks sometimes when you go miles and you don't hear a bugle, but it. it... <laughs> days, days, yeah. weeks. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, it does. So, um, so what would you say uh, on getting back to your calls we got kind of yeah. off on a tangent there it's easy to do yeah. though when you start talking calling i think i think that's there's so many different um nuances to this as well as calls that's why we have all these different calls yeah. um what would you say your easiest one so so the easiest one to make a sound out of i don't want to say the easiest one to blow because you know but the easiest one to make a sound out of for somebody that doesn't want to put a bunch of air through it you know, because some of those harder latexes sometimes are, you really got to push on them. But something that would be like a cow call or something like that. Yeah. We just made a call. Um, it's called the Easy Cow. It's not our, uh, we made it a little while, <clears throat> released it a little while back. And we just built that on the easiest because there's a lot of people that choke on calls. There's a lot of people, yeah. you know, that's really difficult to do. And, and you can make it as hard as you want, but, the other thing, and as you know, too, Nate, is you can't just throw something in your mouth, a call in your mouth, and just be like, well, I can't do this. You've right. got to practice. It's right. just like, you know, shooting a bow for the first time. Yeah, you're not going to be good until you practice, you know, and you start at short ranges and you work your way out to long ranges and then shooting, you know, pretty soon you're shooting broadheads at 60 yards. Well, that's because you practice. The calls are no different, no different. And um, But we created a call called the Easy Cow, and – it's, I mean, I've given it to my son, my, you know, kids just here, try this and then kind of teach them how to put it in their mouth. And then, I mean, it's usually within, within five minutes, they can make a cow call, you know, right. and it, it's been pretty amazing as far as that call. Um, it's just really, really simple to use. And it's a good beginner call for people that are just starting out that just want to be able to make an elk sound. And then work on that. And and I think it's like you're getting at, too. It's like you start out with something like that, and then let's progress. Now that you yeah. have the, you know, that motion, uh, that tongue pressure, what, what you think that you can consistently make the noise of, go to a different call and try that. And then pretty soon you can really, let's say like the easy cow, you're probably not going to do lip balls and giant bugles with it, right? Because it's going to be a lighter stretch. It's going to be just something entry level, but does really, really good cow calls. It's what I will use all year this year if I'm the shooter. Right. Because I right. can make simple noises and to stop an elk when right. you're at full draw. It's it's something that's going to be great for that kind of thing. So it's just applications like you're talking, you know, different calls work for different scenarios. Yeah. And, and something that you could have in your mouth when you're the shooter that, because uh, I've made some horrible calls when I tried to stop elk because you oh, get a little man. bit jacked up. <laughs> you and me both. <laughs> but, you know, those elephant calls actually do stop elk too. So They will. They will, man. I'm not, I've, I've thrown some cougar calls out there before. <laughs> it's easy to do. I, I've even done yeah. it. I've even done it when you call a bull in. And, and you know, the first few bulls you call in, I don't know if it was the same for you. For me... The first bulls I called in, it was like, first thing was like, oh my gosh, that's a real elk. And the second thing was, is, oh my gosh, that's a real elk. 
<laughs> oh, that's what I'm worried about this year. Because the first one or two, I usually pretty I, the old heart flutters start to really take place on me, and I get pretty pretty wound up on the first couple until I really have to slap myself in the face and say, "Calm down, you know, stop doing that," you know. Because yeah, but the first one, you're right. It's like, oh my goodness, it's season. There's an elk in front of me, and this is what I'm supposed to be doing. Yeah, you know? and, oh, it's. It's kind of, it's a little, I, I know exactly what you're saying. Yeah. It, you know, I've had, I don't want, I probably shouldn't even say this, but um, <laughs> I, I, first couple that I called in um, with a bow in my hand, we called in a lot of elk before we ever bow hunted. Um, that was just something my uncles and I did over in, and in, in the units that we we're at during deer season, we would call sure. it elk and sure. it was just fun to do. And yeah. uh, that's when I started deciding, man, I should probably hunt these things. But so the first couple that I called in with a bow in my hand, I'd never even come to draw. And some of those were the best shots I've ever had. <laughs> no kidding. I, I didn't. Yeah. I didn't even have it in me to even think about shooting them. I was like, Oh, cool, man. I got that elk in. And, and you, I got to the point where I was like, well, I won. And well, maybe I should shoot it. Yeah. You know what? Um, I think I'm here to shoot this thing after they leave. <laughs> <laughs> so it took me to, uh, I, one year I called two in and it, there were cascade bulls and I called two in, uh, within three days and that were like both real. I mean, if you saw them, you had been kicking me, but <laughs> it's pretty fun. Probably. Were they, have, did they have three points on one side? <laughs> oh, they were bigger than that. Yeah. One of them, one of them was huge. Uh, well, you know, that's all relative to, uh, <laughs> no, man, they're all big. They're well, all big. every one I've shot's been a 400 bull until I get to it. So you're darn right. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, oh. no, um, it's just neat. It's neat to see. Uh, it's one of those things. So it is definitely is definitely. So, um, let me see why it's going to be getting about old enough here to start bow hunting. Isn't he? He's, he's shooting. Actually, he's out in the yard right now. I'm watching him through the window right now. He's shooting his bow right now. Right on. So, right yeah. on. Yeah. yeah. Speaking of, we'll, of we'll see what happens there. He wasn't super, super confident. I don't know if he's going to still do archery tag and, or what, but he's, he's been shooting his bow. So that's good. Yeah. I just, cause th you know, I was thinking about calling, talking about, calling i take it for granted that i started calling when i was you know about that age mm -hmm. and that makes it when we're talking about these calls and stuff it, it makes it a little bit hard to try to help people that are just getting into it especially adults because kids for some reason pick this stuff up and then it sticks they do, they do man you're not you're totally right it's it's unbelievable like and that's what why it was just talking about this year it's like i think i'm just gonna call for my friends and stuff you know and 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 go that route he wasn't real sure but um but they do and they're, and they're good at it like kids can yeah pick up to things and it's it, and i uh, some of them don't even need to read you know if you haven't hit puberty yet yeah oh <laughs> i know even some of them that have are, are really yeah. good you know and yeah i i would just you know as we're talking about reads here and, and easy calls and those kind of things um one of the things I, i'd like to point out to everybody listening is get your kids calls you know, yeah. Elk season. If you if you find some good spots that are not real, that are kind of mellow. We you know we've hunted some spots that are pretty mellow for elk, and you give those kids a call. Some of those kids will go out there and call you in a bull. Could you imagine? Dude. Oh, and it happens all the time. Yeah, all the time. 
Yeah. You know? People should people should grab their kids, grab grab some calls, get your kids going. It's you yeah. know, um, Gage. He's been blowing calls ever since. Not right, but he's been blowing calls ever since he's a little guy. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Uh, no competition there at all. None. No, no, it'll None. be fun this year. He's uh, he, he's actually probably a better caller than I am. I think um, as, as far as noise, you know, the the sound. Sure, sure. Um, the difference is is knowing when to zig and zag. That's the biggest. You that's hard. Uh, you hit the nail on the head right there. You could have you could be the world champion, best caller in the whole country, and you could still not know when to make the call at the right time. Right. 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 And it's all emotion too. It is. Um, it is. People got to realize that, that, you know, the emotion of the time, it really spells. I mean, we've actually had bulls that were really, really mellow. And when we were able to turn up the heat on them to, well, that big bull that my brother-in-law shot, we followed that thing for four hours. And, and he kept telling us to stay away, stay away, stay away. And finally we, we're able to turn up that emotion enough and to get him to actually come over and do something about it. And I think that's, I think that's what, uh, if we could do anything about calling, if we could teach that it's hard to teach though, you just got to be around it. (laughs) It it is, but it's that, you you know, you're exactly the calling with emotion is a hundred percent. What, what you have to do as far as to sound realistic too. And I, and what I mean by that is maybe it's not, you know, the grunts and the, and, and your posturing or whatever, you know, you like a peacock or whatever. I'm, I'm not talking about that, but I'm talking about like, sometimes it's real bulls make a lot of noise. I mean, they make a lot of noise. They walk heavy, they stiff leg, they rake a lot. So, I mean, maybe it's, it's calling as you're raking and then stopping raking just to scream and bugle and then go back at it again. I mean, the realisticness of that you hear, you know, uh, you know, a tree getting raked and everything, and then it stops, and then a bugle, then a tree raking it. That's that's emotion, right? That's that's realistic. That's a that's a nature sound, and um, it's doing stuff like that that just really adds to the whole to the whole repertoire of your calling. And it really, I mean, you can emotional calling is the only way to go about it, rather than just aimlessly walking through the woods and just tuning right. on a flute. You know, right? Yeah, and and we've. I think also too one of the things that we've noticed is like on the bigger bulls that have cows with them, you know that are you, you know because we call a lot of bulls off of those ca- off of those herds, but mm-hmm. I when you get into that big bull and he's trying to get he's trying to move around so he can catch your wind, uh, not not because he thinks you're a hunter, but he could tell a lot by how you smell, and yes. when when he's making those moves and you're countering them, that's as big of a thing as your bugle. I think I, I, because then you're yes. going, Oh crap, this guy's trying to catch my wind. Yeah. And, yeah. I would agree. And, and then I, that's what, that's finally what got us that bold, uh, we, you know, in, in the cascades is finally the way he went down and he, he took us into a spot where he thought he could get our wind and we had to run to get out of his wind. <laughs> but once we made that circle and then bugled on the back, that's when he came in. And sometimes that's it too. Like, I mean, just turning and running. Like, yeah. Yeah. Oh, this ain't going to work, guys. Yeah, I mean, abort. Like you stepped in a beast nest almost. Just let's get the heck out of here because it's going to go bad in a hurry. Yeah, he's going to wind us here real quick if we don't get oh, out yeah. of here. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah, and 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 realizing, and that comes from experience. Realizing that that bull is not just he's not just there willy nilly bugling. They are smart animals. They they oh. are not stupid. And there's a lot of things that they have to dodge out in those woods, you know, for to live, you know, to be a, a mature bull. Right. There's a lot of small bulls they have to dodge to keep their harem. There you go. You that know, too. you know, yeah. and and so they're playing every trick in the book to try to figure out who you are at that, which is another kind of neat thing, because it, especially Cascades, Cascades, they probably Rosie's, too. I don't know. I've never hunted the coast. I don't want uh-huh. to. That, that looks too hard to me. Nobody wants to. Nobody, <laughs> <laughs> Nobody wants to, man. Maybe maybe you could say that this is something that uh, happens over there, too, or not. But um, w- they pretty much got their pecking order figured out by the time the, the cows start getting ripe. And Yeah. And so when you add to that mix, every bull in that herd, because you always have those little guys falling around, I mean, we get... That's how we get these smaller bulls coming in is they just come in to see who in the heck we are. And they never bugle. They just, you know, walk in. Yeah. Yeah. No, the curiosity, honestly, is a huge thing, too. Yeah. You know, Pecking usually order. with smaller. Yeah. Usually with smaller bulls, yeah. you know, they'll yeah. do that. But early season, those bigger bulls will still kind of walk around and not yeah. show their cards, you know, sometimes, too. It's just uh, every scenario is so different. So right. different. And right. It's like, man. And that's the fun part about it is just there's no one way to do it. There's right. a thousand different ways to do it. You just got to do it right that one time. <laughs> right, right. You know, right. Definitely. So, um, you know, I've ha- have got you on here a couple times before talking about this elk hunting stuff, and I could talk about it all day long. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think we, we, we're talking some pretty high-level stuff now. Um, what would be the first tip that you would give somebody – just getting into it because that's that's really what I'm trying to do is help people get into bulls. I know you know I we put out a little um, thing that we do trying to help people find elk, and yeah. a lot of a lot of guys used it last year and they got into bulls for the first time. They've been hunting for like five years and they, they see you know maybe one bull, but by putting these priorities down and stuff, they were able to get into a lot more elk last year. That's um, awesome. And, and that's one of the things that we're trying to do is, you know, I know a lot of guys that are hunting, buy a lot of stuff, buy a lot of calls, work on their calls all year long, and they just don't see elk. What would yep. be your number one tip for somebody being able to get into elk? So, and I think you covered it earlier on, and it has nothing to do with calling, has nothing to do with any of that, which I recommend you do that once you get into the ground, but um, you talked about which was the coolest thing I think that you said, not the coolest thing you said, but one of the really uh, great takeaways is you have 10 spots already picked out 10 spots. And you said some of them are small. Some of them I just get off the road. I go, I, I maybe I'll jump over and I'm just making this up and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but maybe I'll just jump over this Ridge yeah. and bugle down into this bottom. And if they're there, they're there. If they're not, I'm moving on. And that is that is the huge, huge key. I think you don't get hung up on a spot. Yeah. And uh, so many people and people that are veteran, I've heard, I've seen people like, and have just, you know, they go and they said, well, they were here last year. They were, I mean, there was three different curds and this is where they came. This is the wallows that they used last year and see all these rub trees. And 
yeah, that may have been the case, but something happened, something. I don't know if it was a, a fire pushed them out or whatever. It could have, anything could have happened and they're not there either yet or this year right, right. now. And right. don't stay there and, and, and just utilize that time because time, I mean, most people get, get that week for a season, you know, and in that week, you need to be mobile. You need to go, go find, go make the opportunity rather than hope right. for the opportunity. Right. I guess. Right. And, and that's kind of what we put together in the little series that we did is we tried to show people that you're, you're, you, you can't just rely on, um, blind luck, I guess. Um, yeah, you, exactly. You, you got to put yourself into it and think about this stuff. If you're going to, if you're going to spend all the time, effort and money, you might as well in the off season spend, um, the brain power of trying to create a plan. And, yeah. and I think that's one of the big things that we, we've been trying to help people do is figure out, you know, get, like you said, even three spots, get three spots figured out. Yeah. No, that's what I always say. Get at least three spots. It'd be, it's, it's great to, and then once you're there, you know, the next step is okay. Elk are big animals. They make sign, they make tracks, Yep. they make. And so a lot of hunting and I think you and I did a did a podcast about this before. A lot of hunting is woodsmanship too, you know, yeah. kind of a, a woodsmanship. So look at look at the tracks. Look at how long how long do you think those how old do you think those are? You know, they're gonna if they're there, they will leave signs that they were there. I mean, they are uh, you know a seven hundred plus pound animal. They're gonna leave a sign that they were there. Yeah. So you just look for those things and then you'll know, okay, yes, I am where elk are living right now. And then from there on, it's back to your maps. It's back to your onyx, it's back to your mapping, whatever you're using for your mapping, and looking for those benches, looking for those south facing slopes. Elk have to have of just you know, a few things, you know, right. some cover, right. some food and some water. They just have to have those three things. So you got to go over those things. Okay. Is there cover here? Yeah. There's plenty of timber. Okay. Let's go to the next, you know, is there food here? Yeah. These meadows or whatever. And then is there a water source within a mile? I would say because they can travel a long ways without and they drink, you know, they, they get some water from eating the wet grass right. in the morning and stuff. So, I mean, you got to look at all those things. And this is all before you even made a peep. You know, you yep. haven't even, you haven't even made a bugle yet or a cow call. And so, these kind of things are very important, and you covered it already, is you have to be around elk to kill elk. Right, right. Yeah, and one one of the other things that I think has helped me over the years, probably more than anything else that I've – is actually when I start thinking about it, right? Because I was that guy. I was that guy that would go out and run into elk, and I would put on 10 miles in the wrong spot and finally find one somewhere. Right, And right is to take note where you're finding elk and understand mm. what that looks like and then understand the time of day and then look on maps. Why did you find that elk there? Yep. And, and then replicate that. Yep. And replicate it. Exactly. Yeah. And then, so you could take that look on a map and go, man, this is like a little micro, um, uh, area here. Right. So we got water, food and bedding right here. Now, how many other places do I have in my unit that have that same thing? And then that way, if those elk aren't there, you go to that next place that looks just like that. Yep. And and that's what we do. That's how we do it. Um, but I, I think that's probably one of the biggest tips that I think anybody could give is too many people 
too many people, you know, have heard their buddy shot one up here, and, and then they hunt the living tar out of something that they don't see any sign in, and elk are going to yep. make sign. They're just going to do it. They're big. They are big animals, and that, that is just it. They will they will make tracks. I promise you that. And if you're not around them, it's really hard to shoot them. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's really, really hard. Okay. Uh, okay, so what would be, now you've found some animals, what okay. would be your second your tip about, um, you know, calling and because I know how much you guys call, I do the same exact thing. I, I, I got talked out of it for years and, and we tried sneaking in on them and all this and that, and none of that worked for me. Um, Uh but what would be your second, your biggest tip once you get into elk and you're like, man, I know there's elk here. Um, now how do I proceed with calling these guys? Okay, so now now let's say the dance has started, right? So you know there's elk. They're over in this draw, um, and I don't know how you know they're there. You've either uh, tracked them to there or you heard them, which would be the best-case scenario. Right. And hearing them is is just, I mean, it's it's half the battle. You have to hear what, okay, is, is it just cows calling? Okay, what mood are those cows in? This is the, this is the part that honestly... Uh, the being around elk thing is something that, you know, you can do without, you know, anybody can do that. Anybody can go find topography, say there should be elk there, hike in there and find elk. The next step is reading their temperament of where they're at in, in what they're doing. Are they, is he bugling? Is he, you know, okay. Is he bugling on his own? Does he, is he bugling at another bull possibly? Is he, it's the dance that starts that just creates the, whole um temperament of the situation right so and and at what time of day is it you know uh, jot all these things down mentally like is it mid-morning they've been bugling all night doing herd talk and everything and now they're headed to go bed down and all he's doing is bugling keeping up with his cows and going they're going to go to bed and that's best case scenario honestly people don't think so but (laughs) just like you already covered nate that's best case scenario Um, but yeah. And are they going away from me? You know? Okay. Now when I bugle, what does he do? You know, does he bugle back to me? Okay. He answered me, which is the greatest feeling in elk hunting. I mean, let's just be honest. It is, it is. It's some people will not hunt honestly because they want to hear that bull bugle back to them. And that is, that is the truth. There, there is so much self gratification of you making a sound and him hearing that and bugling back. It's awesome. It's it is. awesome. But a lot of times people will take that sound and I'll say, well, did you advance on him? Did you move? And he's like, no, <laughs> why would I do? He's bugling. Yeah, he's we're, bugling. we set up on him. <laughs> yeah, he's bugling. I'm like, okay, well, <laughs> he's telling you where he's at. You told him where you're at. And that's kind of where you guys are at. Yep. Yep. <laughs> so I played that uh, game for years. Exactly. Yep. Exactly. But it's just taking all those tiny little tips and things that you learn over the years. And honestly, like it's from the screw ups. It's it's yeah. the times that you didn't do it right. That's going to teach you the most and and really recall that. Like when I was growing up elk hunting, I would have a journal and uh, I've actually started to do it um, here in the last few years, too. It's actually been kind of fun to do. Might anyway, be a bestseller but- if you publish that thing. <laughs> no it's not that good it's, but, but it's it's kind of a teaching thing 
of what um, what I used to do is like I would even go as is <laughs> I was kind of an idiot, but I would go and I would draw out the whole scenario. Okay, the elk were here. Here's the topography, and then I would write down at the bottom. I did this, and they ran for me or whatever it may be they circled around and then why did they do that well it's because they're trying to get my wind or whatever it may have been and so i could actually learn better from that rather than just to look at it you know i had to actually put pen to paper to to really kind of take into to to perspective of what really happened focus your thoughts exactly exactly and it just those kind of things are the learning curves of elk hunting is as you hit it on the head, you know, finding them is the hardest thing. It is. That's the hardest part. Yeah. And then once you find them, okay, then take it slow and and kind of decipher what the situation may be. And then it's it's all the motions in between there and loosing an arrow is, is what is going to make you uh, a seasoned or good elk hunter. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think a lot of times it's people – you know like you said you journal this and i'm the type of guy that has to do that if i'm going to focus on anything um yeah i have to put it on a piece of paper to where i could read it and it's in front of me and i go okay yeah that makes sense whereas if i just let that go then i'll be doing the same stuff over and over and doing the same dumb thing that i did last year and that's how i learned how to do that because i did it over and over and i said i just did this last week yeah. and it screwed up the same way i'm like why you right know? right exactly that- and I, th- I think that's just the way my brain works. But so what we've done, too, is we've I actually did this ex- exact same thing, but I made a checklist and um, I've actually shared that with people now where they could go and get our checklist on on, you know, trying to prioritize those spots. And uh-huh. and that's once I did that to myself, that's when we started getting into elk a lot more consistently and we just leave alone. We just don't even go to a lot of the spots that I used to go to. We just don't even touch them. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. No, I, I, and you learn. That's what happened is you learn. Yeah. You know, there's that's, one. Just a, yeah. I'm, I'm sorry. There's one spot. Go ahead. Yeah. I'm, there's one spot that if you were to look on like Go Hunt or any of these softwares that tell you where you should be hunting and this and that, it would never show up there. And, you know, we mm. talked about don't get stuck to a spot, but I'm telling you, I'm stuck to that spot <laughs> and I'm going to kill an elk out of there before, before I get too old to pack in there anymore. But, uh, oh, I love it. I love it. There is some of that nostalgic stuff that you just hunt because, right? Well, part of the problem is, is we, we did jump a bull in there one year. Um, but I mean, it would, you know, we only spent a day in there, but, um, the, the amount of sign and the amount of elk that are in there. And we went back in there and put cameras up this year. And there was so many, there's so much sign in there, but, um, that, that area, the problem was, is we ran into some other hunters in there and they had a camera in there for the last five years and they showed me some of their pictures. Oh. <laughs> yeah. They should have never done that. They shouldn't have done that. Yeah. Cause there's, <laughs> I, there's elk in there. I guarantee you that are 15 years old, you oh. know, it, just old, nasty. And, and we heard one, one morning in there, we heard a bull in there that sound, I don't You've probably been around a few of those old, old bulls that sound kind of like oh, yeah. more like a cow. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah. and those are the ones that get nicknamed. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yep. And, and so 
there were several of those on the camera in there. And so that's, and, and it's a cascade bowl too, which is kind of my thing. I, I just love those big old dark horn cascades. Oh, they are awesome. So, they are. so with all that said that we said, don't do that. Yeah, we're doing that this year. <laughs> so, we're do- so we're doing that. We're doing that. <laughs> no, we'll go in there. If, if there's nothing moving though, we'll just get the heck out, you know? Gotcha. Gotcha. No, it's uh, there's so many different ways to do it, Nate. There's just, but at the same time, just finding them is the toughest part. And then once you find them, just yeah, it's uh, take their temperature, take yep. their temperature. Where are they at? What are they doing? And what what kind of uh, how how angry or how love lust lust lustly, if that's even a word, right? Are they? You know, right? So, but like you said, so I, I if I'm in that situation, I know where elk are. I'm going to start out with a cow call. I'm going to start out with just a few cow calls and I'm going to stand there and wait just for a little bit. And because if I can get a bull to consistently answer to a cow call, the chances of me getting a shot at him or him coming in yeah. are very, very high, very, right. very high. So if I can do that, I, I, I'm just going to stick with it. I won't even introduce a bugle. If I don't hear anything bugle from that, then I'm going to throw out a bugle, just throw out a regular location and sit there just, I mean, sometimes 30 seconds to three minutes, whatever, and just sit there and see if anything answers back. And then I'm going to go through a bugle and a chuckle. Right. And it's, it's something different. Usually with every bull they want, or they, I say want, they want or don't want whatever you, however you take it is to hear a certain sound. Some of them will just respond to a chuckle just for some weird reason. It's, that's what they, that's what they don't like to hear, and that's what's going to fire them up. Right. Um, and then, you know, we, there's a ton of techniques you can use there, like copycat technique. You say whatever they say. You know, if he's barking and then chuckling, you bark and then you chuckle. You know, and all these different – I mean, that goes into a whole different realm of, of elk talk. But right. this is what I kind of do as far as just from the start, just to kind of – just to feel out the situation and what's going on. And then once that bull bugles back to me, give it a little bit, you know, is he going to bugle right after that? Is he going to bugle in the next five minutes? You know, and if he is going to bugle, maybe he'll just bugle his way all the way in and I don't have to do hardly anything. Or do I have to get him fired back up? Where, where are we at? Where his temperament? Where is, where's all these things at and, and, and where he's at right now in the rut? So just all those little tiny things you can really, and that's why the journal is so cool is kind of, you can jot those things down. Like when I bugled, he bugled and chuckled, and then he he tore up a tree. Right. And okay, well, what's that telling me? You know, that's telling me it's getting pretty serious right now. It's he's getting fairly wound up, and so I need to maybe you know escalate this thing to the next level and get closer and start raking a tree myself or whatever that may be. So, but all these things, it's a piece of the puzzle that will tell you something. They're right. small pieces, but they will. Each one will tell you uh, something little about the situation, and so. But that—that's the man. That's the uh, that's the English, if if that's the right word. That's the English of it, man. It's everything's different. That's that's another reason different. to have all the different calls in your quiver too. Correct. You know, it. People, I, I knew people, and I was one of those guys. The old ivory plate primos you remember those oh man yeah (laughs) oh yeah there's no other call out there well Uh -uh. i've since learned that you know and i've called in a lot of bulls with that call but um having several different sounds 
is like you said some of them don't even uh, we've switched calls before and had a bull bugle after we bugled for a half an hour with a different call yep and, exactly. and just that different yes. pitch yep yep and it's something he didn't like it's just weird it's just like it something is. that he, in his brain was like i've heard this same thing but now that's different right so, I, I don't know what it is but it's definitely uh, that is definitely the truth right and, and you remember when the old hoochie mama first came out Oh, and man. man, it was calling in a lot of bulls there at first. And then it sounded like there was hoochie mamas everywhere in the woods. Because <laughs> <laughs> there, there, there were. Because right? there was. Yep. <laughs> and, and, and so we always kind of went to the oldest call. Like when a new call came, we would go back to the, a different call. But you That's don't have good. to do that with the reeds. You, you could do so much different things with a reed that you know it doesn't sound like the other person with that same read and then an open frame too like the yeah. like, like the open you know That's true. all those yep. you can make so many different calls with them and uh, so many different yeah, that is true it's not just one and done right it's the variations that's the diaphragm read honestly is the the huge biggest tool in elk hunting honestly it really right. is and then for the people that have a tough time with them the open reads are awesome because you can do a ton of different sounds with those too you know yeah especially you know you know i know you guys don't use the rubber band on yours but uh-huh. uh, so i carry i carry um both calls and then i have one with a rubber band set for more like a cow and then one more like a calf Oh, you do? Okay. Yeah, that's Steve, how that's Steve how I puts run it. his on. I yeah. think he uses rubber band. I, I don't. I just, so I can re- I can open up right. the read and do whatever I want. It's but just a quick reference for me, you know, to be it's able. It's a good idea. Yeah. 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 No, it's not a bad idea at all. So, absolutely. But, but. yeah, you know, and that's, uh, I'm going to ask you one more thing, because we do this, hunting the Cascades, and um, we'll hunt a spot, and we'll get into elk, and. It's just like, man, nothing's really going on with these guys. They're starting to think about it. So we're just going to leave them alone, mm-hmm. and we'll come back later. Mm-hmm. And and then your calls will all change. And we've actually had this happen to us um, at the beginning of the week in spots where that bull was just not even going to do anything with us. And then you come back at the end of the week, and something has changed, and he's just fired up. Yep. Do you do you? hunt elk because the reason i'm asking this is because there's a lot of guys you know like um that they they don't especially now with the gas prices they're not going to go over eastern oregon and they may find an elk and they'll think oh man yeah i found one but he's just not going to call so i'll never hunt him again have you ever found that you go back in and you start hunting that bull again and sure enough he starts calling yeah, 100%. And a lot of the bulls that we hunt, to be real clear, and is just uh, we, we don't hunt a lot of the same bulls because we travel so right. much country. Right. So, But here in Roosevelt country, we have been in this last little while hunting a lot of the same bulls. And it's, it's amazing how, I mean, if you have one hot cow, it can change a lot of things, man. It can really, it can take it from just a lazy bull that's just going to pick up and, and tuck tail every single time to right. a bull that really, you know, they're, they like, they like their girlfriends. They don't like to lose them, you know? Right. So if you could get it close enough without spooking the cows and stuff and getting him fired up in, in just a day's time, he can change temperament. I mean, it's, it's amazing how fast it can just go from just, from zero to hero you know what i mean 
So uh, we've totally, totally seen that numerous times. And we've seen it the other way, too, to where it's just I'm on the herd. I know there's this bull in this herd. But today he is not. I mean, he it's like he's got his, you know, z- lips zoop super glued together. Right, you know? right. <laughs> he just will not talk. He won't do nothing. He And I know I'm within 200 yards of him and I cannot get him to do anything. Right. You know? And it's just one of those things where it's they have to be in the right temperament. They have to. They have to be in the right moods at times in order for our techniques right. to really, really work really, really well. Right. So, and that's what's so cool too about elk hunting is you can use those other techniques. You know, you can do the slip around, sneak around, try to, they call it herd shadowing. You know, yeah. you've heard that yeah. term used before. You can do, that's a total technique that works. And a lot of people kill out that way. It's just, we, that's just not the technique that we really choose to use. I was going to say, yeah, that works for other people. It doesn't work yeah. for me. Yeah. I no. might as well just leave those elk if they're not going to be talking. I don't, I rarely put on the moccasins. I'll tell you that. I yeah. Rarely do that. You know, and that's, that's been, that's been my nemesis against blacktail deer is the same reason, but, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I can see. Yeah. So, over east, you know, I mean, and I, when I say over east, I mean all the way over to Colorado and Wyoming. Um, yep. yep. Have Have you seen that though? Where there's a uh, you guys rarely hunt the same bull over and over, do you? Very rarely. Yeah. yeah. No, we cover a lot. So our technique is all based off of finding the bull that is in that temperament that I'm talking about. And so to do that, I, we're not going to sit on a herd for a right. couple of days waiting for him. We're going to go find another, another herd. herd. It's, yep. That's what we yeah. try to do. Yeah. yeah. And, and so when we hunt Eastern Oregon, you know, cause you're bound to now you're bound to a unit. Correct. Um, you know, we have done that before and, and hunted the same elk and got into them every day. And then all of a sudden the switch changes and, mm. and then every elk in that herd's starting to talk and the cows are, you know, messing with each other and stuff. Yep. And so uh, the reason I, the, the reason I'm saying this, the reason I'm asking these questions is because I, I just don't want people giving up. Um, yeah. say they drew one tag this year, cause I got a bunch of friends here that drew one tag and we were used to just getting out of the unit and going somewhere else, but yeah. that's, that's not a thing in Oregon anymore. So, um, I, I think I think you would agree though that that happens sometimes. If you're in yeah. elk, and you got the time to stay with those elk, um, sometimes they will switch. Yeah, and 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 we'll do it for the day. I mean, we'll definitely do it for the day. Like we'll just sit. We call it slow playing them, right? So it's a technique that we use as far as just sit back and wait and see what they're going to do, where they're going to bed, where they're going to go. You know, we won't just barge in on them. And, and a lot of the reasons that we'll do that is because the wind's not right, you know, right. or something of that nature, waiting for the wind drafts to change at 1030 or whatever, yeah. you know, they change and stuff like that. Yes. But you touched on a thing as far as like people, you know, just kind of going, well, this was my spot. This yeah. was my shot that I had, yeah. and I took it, you know, and, and there wasn't any elk here, you know, right. and, and I totally, that is a real thing, and, and the the biggest tool that you can have in your tackle box in elk hunting is a is a mind frame of it yep. could happen anytime. Yep. It only takes one. Yep. It takes one, and you two, you, you I'm, I guarantee this has happened to you. How many times have you thought, well, this today's screwed, you know, <laughs> haven't seen nothing. And five minutes later, you have a dead elk on the ground. I, it, it It's so true. I There's a place that I hunt 
where where I call in bulls in that place, you could hear cars going by by on the road. Right, right. And and the way I found that place was it was like two o'clock in the afternoon and I was done. It was hot. And shoot, I w- it was probably like two thousands, early two thousands, and I was just walking up through there and I was slopping my way through and my boots were getting stuck in the and a bull heard that and he screamed at me. Yeah. And and I hadn't seen an elk for four days. And it only takes that one shot, you know? Yeah. And that's yeah, you were you were walking with emotion. <laughs> well, I was. It wasn't. It was just he he. What what actually happened? I I blew I blew the whole opportunity. But um, he bugled at me, and without even thinking, I just bugled back, and he was on me within seconds. And I yeah. I there I just couldn't get a shot. He was he was just right. on the other side of a bunch of willows. But um, I didn't think about what I was doing, but the funny thing was the minute he came in, there was a bull off to my left that ran right into the middle of that herd. And that bull must've been shadowing that herd. And he thought I was that other bull. Oh, I got you. Yeah. So he was chasing you off. That yeah. He didn't he, even know that you were there. Yep. He didn't even know that I was a human or anything else. He thought I was that other bull that had been messing with them all day. But, uh, but at the same time, like what created all that was you making actual natural elk sounds. Yeah, that's what walking they through, through yep. Uh, yep. wall. You know what I mean? Yep. And so, I mean, if you look at it like that, it's like, wow, how yeah. did this all start? Well, yep. it started with me slopping through the mud. You know? Yeah. So from now on, I don't sneak through. You know, back in those days, everybody was sneaking around, and you, oh you, yeah, shoot, man. <laughs> I'm like a herd of elephants. Oh, I've had elk bugle at me for the for falling down. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. You'll even see it on video one time. Uh, Gage, we had a bull that was in and it it was just hung up out there. It, it, it actually had an arrow in it, um, from another person. And, and we didn't know it at the time. We, we didn't know it until afterwards, but I was up there calling and I stepped on a yellow jackets nest. And so I'm running around up there trying to get away from these yellow jackets, and that's what brought the bull in. He finally heard me running around up there trying to get away from the yellow jackets. <laughs> and so he came he came across Gage, and Gage um, had himself stuck behind a tree, which, you know, he has since figured that one out. But, um, <laughs> yeah, that, that bull, uh, as far as I know, that bull still got an arrow stuck in it. But No kidding. Yeah. Interesting. Yep. But, no, it is. It's those sounds. Yep. and. And it's the no quit attitude. It and is. It's the no quit. You can't, if you've got seven days allotted to hunt elk, hunt elk all seven days. Yes. Just, just do it and you will learn yep. so much. Yep. So much. And, and, and if, and if you feel like giving up, just open up your pack or look down at your call and every one yeah. of your calls, well, not the diaphragm, yep. but every one of them says it only takes one. And yep. that is such a cool thing to put on a call. <laughs> it's, it could happen just right around the corner yep just stay with it stay with it well we've um, been at it here for a little while and i don't want to keep you i know how important I your time is right now oh man it's so good to talk to you brother it it's is so great so great we don't do it enough you know what yeah i know i know one last thing i gotta ask you though yeah and yeah. and i think this is something that we should keep track of that born and raised call company needs to keep track of okay is which color of the bomb tube calls more elk in? And I, which color? Yeah, which color? Because we got both colors. We got a camouflage, and we got the tan one. I don't remember what it's called. <laughs> oh, I got you. And, I got you. And, and so I took the tan one because it's absolutely the best color ever on an elk bugle. And <laughs> Gage took the the camel one. 
And so we're having within our group, we're gonna we're gonna see which one calls in more bulls. Okay. Okay. I'm here to tell. I'm. I'm okay. I'm putting my foot down. I'm. I'm. I'm drawing a line in the sand right now that that tan bugle is going to call in more bulls than any other bugle on the market. I could bet on that. Yeah, I I think that would. Yeah, I think you're right. Are you carrying the tan one this year? I actually, what I do is I. um, I actually had a seminar here in Portland here a couple weeks ago. I gave my bugle tube away. I. I um, to a kid, but I. I just take mine and I. What I've done is put some stickers on it, and so that's terrible. <laughs> we I'm got one of those terrible. too. <laughs> I'm terrible at marketing. Let's just be honest, man. Okay, I put I put on stickers that no bugle comes with. Okay, and <laughs> anyway, and I have and that's what I did last year. And then I, I sometimes you know when I get bored or something, you're sitting down and taking a break during the day. I'll I'll do a wrap on a rope or something around it. And <laughs> I'll make yeah. I just kind of I don't know make it my own, but. Um, I don't know. I, I don't, I'm sure I'll have some I'm one with a with either a camo or a or a mocha. Yeah, uh, mocha. Okay, that's the it. color. That's the color. Yeah, that mocha yeah. sleeve though is that's the best looking bugle that's ever been put on the market as far as I'm concerned. I appreciate that. Yeah. We ordered those and it was like, "Uh, what do you guys think?" And it was green and and, and that mocha color and when it showed up we we're like, "Oh, it looks bad. good." It looks good. good. Yeah. So I'm going to do that on Instagram this year. All the guys that have bought those, I I really would like to run a poll. And I'm going to talk up that mocha one. Of course, Gage is like, yeah, whatever, Dad. But the problem, the only problem is, and I was just, I've been in the warehouse for the last two days shipping (laughs) Google Tube. (laughs) There's a lot of camo out there, huh? Let me just throw this one out there. It's probably somewhere around five to one. Yeah. Well, people are buying the wrong tube then. They need well, to buy the mocha. The, that, I think that 1% is going to be the good caller. It's the 1% I mean? that knows what they're doing. That's the one. That's what, that's what I'm thinking. Yes. That's what I'm thinking. Yep. <laughs> the, all uh, right. We'll, we'll see. And we'll, well, yeah, maybe at the end of the season, we'll do the same poll and see what see what comes up. Yeah. And, I'd, and I'd see, be curious. Yeah. And we could do it per capita, too. So, like, being that there's five to one out there, we could, we could adjust that, knowing that oh, there's true. five more. That and, is true. And we could do it. You know, per capita, I think that's yeah. something that we should do because I I plan. So here's my plan: I plan on making my percentages really high for that mocha tube. <laughs> really pumping that tube up. Maybe yeah. I'll run that tube this year too, and then I'll then we'll have something. To, there you something go. To base off of. Right? There you go. And 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 if Gage starts calling more with the camel tube, I'm going to throw it in the woods. <laughs> I would. I'd burn it. I'd burn the cover. That's what I would do. Uh, Bob is back. Uh, no, no. If yeah, if you run the mocha, we need. I, I guarantee you that mocha tube is going to call in bulls. It's it's got to right. It's got to. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All righty. Well, we'll let you get going. Thanks a bunch. I sure appreciate it. And um, you know the the wealth of information that you give to these guys that are listening. You guys, if if you're listening to this and you're looking to get into elk, just do what what we we're saying here just do what uh trent has said and i guarantee you it'll work and it's going to help your elk hunting and um i really appreciate you coming on here and oh, giving people you so your much, experience mate. man that's that's yeah, just cool thank you so much and if it helps one person it was so well worth it man yeah so well i worth hear it. you i hear you so, all, all right thank well, you brother i appreciate thank you. it man all right we're gonna get off of here thanks for listening to the life outdoors guys and uh if you like this, please do us a favor and and give us a five. Is it a five star rating on iTunes? I think it is. 
give us a, a rating over there. And, uh, of course, you could always check out our website and go over to Born and Raised. And you, and you guys still got some calls, right? We got plenty. Yes, okay. we do. Go over yes, there, get do. those calls. Get You should have already had them. If you don't have them, and buy a mocha tube. <laughs> you don't even... If you just carry it, you'll kill more elk. You'll kill more elk. You don't even have to use it. You don't even have to use it. I love it. All right. Uh, Thanks for listening, guys, and uh, hopefully you got something out of this. Thanks for joining us for another installment of the Bearbow Hunter podcast. Remember, we couldn't even be talking about this stuff if it wasn't for our public land. So go and support the people that are protecting it. Backcountry Hunters and Anglers and TRCP. Also, if you'd like to see more of Barebow Hunters, go to our Facebook group, go to our Instagram at Barebow Hunters, like us, and hashtag all of your photos with your Barebow goodness in them, Barebow Hunter. We have a website as well. You can go over there, check out the rest of the podcast. We have videos, we have t-shirts and hats. Thanks again. Until then, shoot straight. In wild country, rules were not created by man. In wild country, the challenge of what's outside brings you closer to what's inside. Wild Country, Wednesdays at 8 p.m. Eastern, presented by Expedition Enterprises. It's going to get a little hairy. Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment.